25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, hey, let's do it. Hour two of the show has begun live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Local agents who are hometown heroes in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. And we stay connected to you here on the show because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Now, yeah, while we're on the air, you know, I use my iPhone from C Spire. I pull up data. I look at texts on my phone on the text line sometimes. I send Roger phone numbers of people that we're going to call, including like Neil Price, who you just heard, and Brad Logan, who's coming up in just a bit. But also, when we're not on the air on this show, it could be, you know, tonight we'll jump out here and we'll do a podcast and I'll send out a a tease or a preview on Instagram and I'll upload a little video to the Instagram stories <laughs> at Radio Wyatt and I'll put something on Facebook. Every now and then we'll go to a football stadium and I'll hold the phone out and we'll just go live right there in a press box. You know why? LTE coverage from Seaspire, the number one network in Mississippi. Bulldog Barney said, Well, dang, Matt, happy belated birthday. Thank you. I'm honored to share a birthday with Jack Crystal and the great state of Mississippi. Somebody said yesterday was Joe Burrow's birthday, also. The guy who's now he's your Heisman winner. They just haven't given him the trophy yet. He needs to just walk in there in New York on Saturday and say, Give me the trophy. Thank you. I earned that thing a month ago. I'm out of here. <laughs> You're right. He was born December 10th. How about that? How about that? Joe Burrow. Joey Football. Sharing a birthday I'll with hang that on him, him as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's about the only thing we have in common, isn't it? Is the day we were born. No, I'm talking about the Joey Football. Oh, Joey Football. Yeah, don't put that on him? Yeah. Okay. Johnny Football didn't turn out so good. <laughs> no, it didn't, Roger. You know, it's one of those deals... Where, I mean, it was great while it lasted, wasn't it? Oh, man, it was incredible in the college game. It was great while that, it lasted. It, it just didn't, Like a water bug, man. It just <laughs> didn't last long enough. That's the only problem. Okay, uh, let's start off before we get to a couple of other texts here. And then we'll get to Brad Logan coming up. Let's start off, though, on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and Jackson. Big-time deals going on right now through the end of the year. I'll tell you what those are. Bryce, you're on the phone. What's up, Bryce? Hey, Matt, how are you today? Just right, thanks. What's up? Man, hey, look, so I was looking at the matchup. I always like to look at that when State's in the bowl game, just kind of get an idea of the team, 
uh, do a little statistical comparison, um, common opponents if there are any, and it was interesting to look at. You know, we do have one common opponent, uh, you know, in Kentucky. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think uh, if you look at, you know, that matchup, you can take a little bit away from it. I understand the weather plays a good bit uh, into that. It was nasty and raining, but I'm just going to pick your brain. Do you know how many passing yards Kentucky threw for that game? Did they throw for any at all? They threw for a total of four. Four passing. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And they had what? Two, two passing attempts. <laughs> he was one for two for four yards. Okay. And they ran the ball for over 500 yards. Okay. So, and and see, here's the thing about that, Bryce. We go, and I'm not. I'm going to let you finish. I was just going to interject. You look at that number. You go 500 yards rushing, and you think, well, Louisville's run defense must just be good and horrible because it's a team who can't throw yet they. And so you know they're running it yet you can't stop it. They still go for 500. And there's truth in that. But there's also something to be said for a team like Kentucky who they just totally commit to run the ball. They know it's all they're going to do, so therefore the running numbers get inflated. But which do you think it is? You know, I think, honestly, you can probably do a mix of both. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's a, you know for a fact they can't throw it. But, I mean, shame on you. If they spread you out, uh, if they go, you know, four wide, and, and, and you're going one-on-one on the outside, and you're stacking the box, and you still can't figure out how to stop that run, or even if you're bringing in a corner blitz to try to come in and stop a, uh, you know, a pitch to the outside, you know, then, then shame on you for not making that <laughs> that that change at halftime. Mm-hmm. But I really think you know, State can take part of you know part of Kentucky's game plan and really go at it and establish the run. And you know, again, I'm going to assume it's Schrader that that's playing quarterback here to start. That's going to open up a play action pass, and really, once you start doing that, you've got them. You've got them on their heels. But I think the key to that is you've got to be able to strike early, and State's got to get out to a lead where they can dictate the flow back and forth and not become one dimensional. Yeah, it, it's a heck of an observation, and it is. I mean, you've got the rivalry thing in there for Kentucky, but. How about that Kentucky team going in there against Louisville and saying to Louisville, we are not throwing the ball. You know it, I know it, we know it, and there's still nothing Louisville could do to stop it. Bryce, if you're Kylan Hill, you're probably licking your chops. Good point, man. Good call. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, see you. Call me anytime. Speaking of Kentucky, and real quick, that same guy who led that rushing attack for Kentucky, Lynn Bowden Jr., he was just given the – the Horning Award, Horning Award for the most versatile player in all of college football. The Paul Horning Award presented to the most versatile player in the FBS. So injuries knocked out the other quarterbacks. We know all that. And he made his first start at quarterback against Arkansas on October the 12th. Ran for 196 yards and two touchdowns in that game. They won the game 24 to 20. How about this? Lynn Bowden is the only player in the FBS to lead his team in both rushing, 1,235 yards, 11 touchdowns, and receiving 30 catches, 348 yards, and a score. He also returned eight kickoffs for 200 yards, four punts, and he passed for 330 yards and two touchdowns and two picks. So he was their offense. All right, let's do this. Flipping on over to the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson. 
He is Brad Logan on your radio right now. Brad covers uh, sports in the state of Mississippi for the Clarion Ledger and uh, has kind of his finger on the pulse at things at Ole Miss as well. And he's on your radio right now. Follow him on Twitter at Brad Logan, C-O-T-E. Brad, what's happening, man? Happy Wednesday to you. Man, same to you, man. Thanks very much. Uh, good afternoon to you and all the listeners out there. You have fun in Hattiesburg this past weekend? I did. It was a lot of fun. Southern Miss did a great job, rolled out the red carpet for all of us. Jeremy McClain, the athletic director down there, really excited about uh, pretty much just everybody coming and able to see a beautiful campus. And I know that the, the people in Hattiesburg were excited about the throngs of people that uh, they came to the games. It was great crowds, and the games weren't terribly great, only one or two really close games. But it's always great being able to see high school players that, you know, Quite frankly, most of them will not continue on to play college football and be able to end their career at a, at a really nice stadium. Uh, I think it says a lot for what the state of Mississippi is doing. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're excited about hopefully that continuing next year at Mississippi State and then possibly heading over to Ole Miss the year after that. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Brad was in on the, the call for some of those games. Uh, they're the high school state championship games. If you're listening or watching, that's what I'm referencing. Hey, real quick, just on a couple of those, real quick, Brad. How in the world was Oxford able to pull off that comeback, right? Wasn't that the 6A game where Oak yeah, Grove built that it lead? Was. It was 21-3 to at half. And, you know, we went to, to Chris Cutcliffe at, at halftime, and I'm not sure, you know, what you say in that situation. But we asked him, Coach, what do you do? And he says, we just do what we, we, we've been doing all year. We, we go and we evaluate the first half. And, We'll try to find some weaknesses and try to chip away at the lead. Not only did they chip away, they ended up scoring 28 unanswered and, and win the game running away. And, and it was really a game to where Oxford, you know, they've been so close with Southern Miss quarterback, who's now at Southern, Jack Abraham. You know, he, he got really close his junior and senior year and came up like a yard short both mm-hmm. those years. And, and I think kind of history was on Oxford's side to try to get them W, but it was the J.J. Pekis show and, He'll probably be playing in either Alabama or, or Auburn next year. He's a talented tight end, and uh, they took the game over in the second half, and then you know did well and, and beat a an Oak Grove team that had a lot of people in the stands about seven or eight miles down the road. So yeah, sure. it was a good game and a good win for Oxford. Sure, Brad Logan on your radio right now. All right, Brad. Um, we I think all understand what the reaction was and just how elated most of the Ole Miss fan base was when Lane Kiffin was hired a few days ago. There is a portion of every fan base who just doesn't like this or that. And I think there's a portion of Ole Miss's fan base who they might complain about the hires, different things they don't like. But for the most part, everybody all in on that hire. As we sit here on a Wednesday, things have settled. We've had the press conference, and now recruiting has begun. How do you think it's going so far in the first few days for Lane Kiffin? It is uh, very ironic when – Literally 10 minutes ago, I was on the phone with a, with a media member that covers Ole Miss, and they cover Ole Miss exclusively. And they said, Brad, we've never seen access completely cut off like we're dealing with right now. So basically, it's when recruiting in, in this situation, the recruiting people that cover recruiting for Ole Miss are having to go to the student-athletes. There's absolutely nothing coming out of the university. Mm. Uh, so – it's kind of having to go back 20 years to where you don't have any inside sourcing anymore. And you're going to have to rely on beat writers from other schools, recruiting writers from other schools. 
getting recruits on the record, kind of using that information and kind of recover, uh, covering recruiting like that. So I think it's going to be a really big chore for people that cover Ole Miss to get information out of the Lane Kiffin camp. Hmm. He's pretty much put everything on lockdown. There was some news that leaked that he had reached out to a couple of assistants at Alabama on Alabama staff. Uh, Mike Zenith, uh, reporting that both those assistants, um, had turned down offers from Lane Kiffin to join the staff. What we do know is that, that Kiffin has already brought on a couple of people from, from Florida Atlantic, uh, including his strength coach and his running back coach. And his dad will come on as a defensive analyst. He's going to keep Mike McIntyre, the current defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Not sure what capacity he'll keep him. We're also hearing that he'll probably keep, keep, uh, Derek Nix on some capacity, not at wide, not at running back coach, but probably at a special teams or a, uh, some other coach on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. As far as recruiting, we just simply don't know right now. We'll learn a lot over the weekend. There's a big recruiting weekend at Oxford. So news will kind of trickle out that way. But you talk about the, the fan base and their enthusiasm. I think you go back to probably Tommy Tuberville was the last time that Ole Miss kind of um, got excited over a hire as much as this one, and that was over 20 years ago. Um, I knew it would be some excitement in the press conference. I had no idea it would be that much excitement. Uh, the social media aspect, the national media aspect, felt like some of that would trickle out. But just from a fan base standpoint and all the conversations I've had, both internally and externally in regards to Ole Miss, uh, I had no idea it would be this well uh, well thought of and, and this excited and much of a base inside and outside. Brad Logan on your radio. You all follow him on Twitter at Brad Logan, C-O-T-E. Cover sports in Mississippi for the Clarion Ledger. Brad, when I watched the press conference uh, for Kiffin, the introductory press conference, I don't know what everybody expected. I had no idea what to ex- expect. Um, I don't look at his past and – when he was 23 or even 33 and or 34 and expect to know who he is or what he's going to be like at 44, which he is. And I would just say that I was impressed that he wasn't um, bubbling over with excitement. He wasn't fist-pumping and hotty-tottying into the mic and getting big roars from the crowd. He just stood up and kind of said, look, I'm happy. Here's what we're going to do. This is the way we're going to approach it. You're going to be proud of it. I want you to have fun when you come to the game. All right, see you. And and it was a very mature approach to the press conference. And I wonder if you picked up on that too. I did. And and I'll be honest, man, I watched the post-game press conference when they beat UAB in the conference championship game uh, to win their conference again. And uh, it was very much the same type of Lane Kiffin that you saw in the press conference uh, this past Monday. It was a very subdued, it was very quiet, and I actually reached out to a couple of assistants that have coached under Lane Kiffin, and everyone said, Brad, everything you see on Twitter, everything you see, uh, or you hear about the brash and stuff, he said, man, this guy's really quiet. He, he really keeps to himself. He loves his three children. Uh, he's close with his family. He's just not that public persona that you see or that you would think that mm-hmm. he puts out on social media. So I think a lot of that is simply to kind of draw recruits. Uh, a lot of that is the, just trying to, to draw interest. If he gets that interest, I think more than anything is what we saw and what he said in that press conference, Matt, when he said, our goal is to get you the NFL. Our goal is to come in here, mold you as players, mold you as young men, 
and get you to the next level. I think that's the type of honesty that's going to have him succeed in the SEC. Now, the question is, is what is success at Ole Miss? Right. Um, I don't think success is Ole Miss is 11-1 and 1 and 12-0 and 0 and win national championships. I think success at Ole Miss is getting back to that 6-7 and 7 win and every three or four years get to eight or nine wins. Uh, and I think if he can do that in Oxford, he can stay as long as he wants. I think the winner in all this uh, is, is, is Keith Carter, the athletic director. Uh, did he win the press conference? Sure, I think so. More than anything is, what is there to lose at this point? You're coming off a head coach that has, you know, lost a bunch of games, but kind of held the ship together following an NCAA investigation. The previous coach got busted because he was doing things through a company cell phone. And then the previous coach uh, got fired when he lost a whole bunch of – my point is, what's there to lose with hiring Lane Kiffin? Right. It's not like you're following a Nick Saban and a bunch of national championships. You're following a lot of losing and a lot of bad stuff. So why not roll the dice on Kiffin? And that's exactly what Keith Carter did. Brad Logan on your radio right now. And I agree with that. And Brad, that's the thing too, is I think so many times when we first have a hire, whether it's one that's lauded as outstanding or one that's questioned and pointed and snickered at, none of those reactions that are really polar reactions, big emotional reactions, those are really never accurate, it doesn't seem, because long term there's just no way to know, no way to predict who is and isn't going to work out long-term at a school as a coach. What we do know is this, though. Ole Miss had to have something. And and one thing they had to have is something that was, I think in some hires, Brad, winning the press conference isn't as important in some situations. But this was one where Keith Carter had no choice. They had to. At whatever cost, they had to win the press conference. Because if they didn't, I felt like there was going to be a historic low in terms of excitement and ticket sales going into next year. And so because of the Lane Kiffin hire, regardless of how it works long-term, they are going to fill their stadium for the first game in their stadium or at least sell a whole bunch of tickets before they ever play a game. Do you agree? Yeah, and kind of reversing just for a moment, by losing the Egg Bowl like they did, close, you know, down the stretch, but more, more importantly, losing the Egg Bowl and becoming a bit of a punchline nationally by how the young man acted in the end zone, that was a little too much for the current administration to overcome, I think. And when all of that happened, and I think Matt Luke probably could have survived, but the following day when so many fans, and, and don't get me wrong, fans out there, whether you give a dollar or $10 million, you matter to Keith Carter. That came out of Keith's mouth to me, that every person that bleeds and and, and cries and sweats for Ole Miss, they're as important as anybody else. Those emails, those phone calls, those social media messages, all of that mattered, and it caused him to make a move. That's why we're at today. Mm. Now, to answer your question just a moment ago, during the press conference, the Athletic Foundation, I had a, a representative tell me they sold over 500 tickets, season tickets, during the press conference alone. The numbers are out of the roof in regards to season ticket sales. He tells me they think they'll probably be sold out of season tickets by July and the donations will triple. Yeah. So, yeah, that, you know, with all of a sudden, 
people at Ole Miss just needed something to grab a hold of. Sure. They need something to believe in. They needed some oxygen. They needed a shot in the arm. They got that with Keith Carter. And on top of that, Keith going out and, and, and providing an even bigger shot in the arm with Lane Kiffin, with all of his bravado, with his uh, putting players in the league, you know, Heisman Trophy winners. They've got that now. And we'll see what happens on the field. But that'll take care of itself in a couple of months. Right now, you've got to sell tickets. You've got to get money coming in. And they've done that so far. Brad, excellent job, man. Really a great interview, and I appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. Thank you. That's Brad Logan. Y'all follow him on Twitter at Brad Logan, C O T E. I was actually reaching out to Brad at the end of last week and then couldn't quite get it coordinated because he was busy uh, covering the high school games in Hattiesburg. And so I was glad I was able to make that work out today. But and I agree with everything he said. Um, there's a you know a palpable feeling there. They needed something that I was thinking about that. What's that song, Roger? I don't know if it's the title, but I know it's like the hook of of a song. Give me something to believe in. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it seems like it was an '80s hairband type song, right? Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but anyway, that's what they needed. That's what they got. We don't know how it's going to work out long term. You don't know how it's going to work out long term with any of these folks. But one thing for certain you could say is that after that Egg Bowl experience, it became really clear to Keith Carter what he had to do, and I think he accomplished that. Got him excited again. It was poison. It was poison. I thought so. Brett Michaels, all four foot eight of him. Yeah, with the early receding hairline and the bandana that didn't fool anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could look that cool in a bandana, though. <laughs> It's All right, makeup. <laughs> yes. Mascara. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Boy, Roger. Poison. Brett Michaels. <laughs> hey, Roger, I saw Poison in concert in Tupelo about 15 years ago. Or really? More. Yes. How about that? Rocking the toot. The <laughs> Poison. Uh, Cinderella. I still Winger. love those soaring guitars, man. I love them. <laughs> They're great. It was a great era of music. Yeah. 80s hair bands. And big now, hair. And now, and now, But I'll be honest with you, growing up in the 80s, I was way more into all the pop stuff as a kid. That and country really appealed to me more. Oh, me too. Michael Jackson and then the country stuff. And I had friends who were super all into the, you know, the, the poisons and the Cinderella's and the warrant yeah and all that and i didn't quite understand why or how and then as i got older i began to get a, more of a, an appreciation for it so as a snake so again 15 years ago however long it was i went to a concert here in tubal at the arena and so there were four bands together now the headliner was poison poison's coming but before they opened up with winger oh man blast from the past followed by faster pussycat <laughs> then cinderella oh yeah 
then poison. And here's the thing. What a ticket. And it was awesome. It was really good. And the thing I remember about it was Cinderella was so good and just brought the roof in that by the time Poison got up there, it was kind of a big letdown, honestly. <laughs> Even though Poison is the reason everybody bought pit, uh, bought the tickets to go to the thing. <laughs> Cinderella was the best. And their lead singer, I don't, I'm not a aficionado. I just know he wore a big black top hat. And Roger, Cinderella's lead singer, he's, yeah. he played about eight different instruments and played them all to perfection, you know, throughout their deal. Anyway, it was neat. Way better. They're more, they're more than hair. All those guys are now doing AARP commercials and stuff. Um, I just remember Great I was, White. Oh, we're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember Great White? That might burn your place down though. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, hit me up on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson nine nine five one zero five nine. Deals and dollars off that will only be good through the end of December. Okay. This month at Divinity Equipment, for instance, construction equipment, the Kubota Excavator Skid Steers up to $12,000 off end-of-the-year discounts on select models. So if you go now, you're taking advantage of that Section 179 tax savings. You know what I mean. You write it off on next year's tax or these taxes that you'll do next year. They still have demos and program units that you can save even more in the construction category there on the lot and don't forget the utility vehicle the kubota sidekick special savings over three thousand dollars off select units plus low rate financing right now hey and if you go in the store you can still get half off yeti cups we've got them all on display right there in the store divinity equipment in madison and in jackson call me on the divinity phone 995-1059 espn on their website put out a deal here for every single bowl game Every game. And what it is for every bowl game, it's the information, where and when and how to watch and what the kickoff time is, Eastern. And then nuggets for each team and what you need to know, a storyline for every single bowl game. I just thought I'd give you Mississippi State, Louisville, and the Music City to let you know what they are saying. And then we're jumping in on the phone call here. What they say um, about 6-6 six and six Mississippi State, the key player, they say the offense has gone up and down this year, but running back Kylan Hill has been a consistent driving force. The junior finished the regular season with the most rushing yards in the SEC, 1,347, ran for 10 touchdowns and earned a spot as a finalist for the Doak Walker Award. Storyline to watch. Would Coach Joe Moorhead dare bench quarterback Garrett Schrader after winning the Egg Bowl? He's a freshman in the team's future, but what about its past? Tommy Stevens came to Starkville to reunite with Moorhead and will be itching to play his final game as a redshirt senior. On the Louisville side, 7-5 and five Louisville, they say uh, he's just 5'9", 153 pounds, but receiver 2-2 Atwell plays much bigger than his size suggests. Atwell leads the ACC in receiving. 1,129 yards and 12 touchdowns paved the way for the Louisville's offensive resurgence this year. Finished with at least 100 receiving yards in six of the last 12 games. Storyline to watch. His name is Tutu Atwell. Wow. His first name is spelled T-U-T-U. Like the like the ballet ballerina thing. Yeah, yeah he's wearing a tutu. Storyline to watch. He says a year ago, Louisville was one of the worst teams in the country. 
Scott Satterfield's rebuild is far from complete, but the progress made in year one has been exceptional, and a bowl win would be another memorable step forward. So there you go. Don't mess with my tutu. No mess with my tutu. Isn't that a song? Yeah. Was that the, not with the Georgia Satellite stuff? <laughs> I don't know. We're All going right. down memory lane. I'm getting lost here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here we go. Divinity Equipment Phone. Jeff listening in Jackson. What's up, Jeff? Hey, man. I, I'm really going to enjoy that uh, interviews that Paul Feinbaum has in the future with Lane Kippen. Oh, sure. Because uh, someone, I saw the one the other night, and what I like about Kippen, he's kind of like Saban. He'll give it as well as take it. You know, Feinbaum, to me, has a tendency to drop landmines. <laughs> and, and when he does, you know, Kippen will just bat it right back to him. Uh, I think that, he will, yeah. That leads, that leads to my question. You've been on Feinbaum a few times. Yeah. As has Bo Bounds and some of the others. Does the producer back then, I guess it would be John Hayes or who it is now, would they get with you and say, hey, kind of prep you up, say this is what Paul's going to talk about, this is what you shouldn't ask him? Do they kind of prep you up on what you need to talk about Paul with Paul? Um, in my experience, most often, no. Jeff, there's only been a couple of times where I might – I almost never do this because it's obvious, but there might have only been a couple of times where when their producer would call or message and I would say, hey – Give me just give me a heads up on the storyline here, or what it is exactly you want to touch on. Because what I what I didn't want to do was get on there, get into the interview, and you know he has something specific, some road he's wanting to go down, and I I'm not prepared, you know. But but generally, I would just say no. I mean, they don't offer it up. It's not like they say, hey, look, uh, we want you to come on at this time, and we're going to go with this question, and then this question, and then this question, and then this. They don't they don't do that. Um, just um, only, only a couple of times I might have asked them and said, Hey, what's the, you know, what do you, what's going to be the dr- thing you're driving at here? What is it exactly you want to cover just so I can be prepared? Most of the time it's overall, I, I the only time that it was a little bit of surprise to me is re- the most recent time I was on there this season when they came to campus, he was in town where they do the show on a Friday there before. SEC Nation the following day, and it might have been before the LSU game, but whatever game it was, it was the day that, remember, Feinbaum really peppered Joe Moorhead and John Cohen with questions yeah. about Rutgers. Yeah. And I was on that particular day. Well, I had been with Roger and Jackson for the show, and I'd been doing some work with Divinity Equipment, and I drove up and kind of got there at 4 o'clock so that I could sit down with him at like 4.20, and I thought we were going to talk football. You know, we had a game coming up. State had some things going on, quarterback injuries and all that, and and pretty much once I got there, every question was about Moorhead and and you know the the job and and Rutgers. Which, if you listen to my show, Jeff, you know that stuff's not really my thing anyway. And I didn't, I don't have sources, didn't really know, so it was kind of hard to to kind of get through it. And that's one where I wish I had been prepped on what I was going to have to talk about. To be honest with you. Well, I've seen some people that get on those interviews, and it's like deer in headlights when he gets them rolling in the wrong way. <laughs> hey, listen, he, there's a reason that Paul is as, as successful as he is and has been in media, and I think partly it is because he can smell blood in the water, man, and he doesn't let up if he does. That's for sure. Jeff, thanks for your call. I appreciate you. Good job. Right. Uh, music started, so hopefully Gator Greg can hang on. We'll start it off with Greg. When we come back in the Divinity Equipment, on the Divinity Equipment phone line in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around.
You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Rogers throwing more coal in the steam engine there. Trains rolling down the track. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Here in the Farm Bureau studio. All right. As promised, over here on the Divinity Equipment phone. Do that right there. Go. Chomp. Chomp. The Gator Band from Gatorland. Come on! Go! Gator Greg, what's happening, Greg? Well, hey, good to talk to you, Mr. White. You uh, too. Just, I wanted to get your uh, your take on the uh, on the uh, the hires around the league uh, with uh, what uh, Pittman going to Arkansas, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the App State coach in Missouri, and then Kippen at uh, Ole Miss. Uh, I know the Gators come to uh, Oxford next year, I believe, in October. And uh, Dan, really, I don't think uh, – I know Urban Meyer and, and Lane had some issues. Uh, it kind of be interesting to see uh, that. And I would think uh, the media days would be fun this year. we got to make sure that you're over there again covering those next year. That will be interesting. But I, I kind of listening to what uh, Mr. Logan was talking about earlier that was on there with you. I, I think Ole Miss needed a shot. Uh, you know, uh, in the arm there, it, it was waning a little bit. Uh, just a disappointment of losing the, the, the egg bowl and kind of just kind of being in just the state of, you know, I guess bureaucracy and stuff that they, they kind of had to make a move. It's kind of interesting. I think if he's matured, uh, I don't think nobody questions that the guys are, uh, you know, pretty good offensive mind. You still need the Jimmys and the Joes and maybe where, you 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 look at is who he brings in the, on the staff because he's worked with some what I would consider some recruiting mercenaries. I mean they go out and they get they go out and they get kids and uh, that'll be the kind of interesting thing. And uh, I see the Gators got a nice bid to the Orange Bowl, so got a chance to go eleven wins and see what Dan can do. Dan needs to come back try to have another solid recruiting class to try to compete. Uh, you know with the upper teams like Georgia and Alabama. We just want to get your take on those hires. Why? Okay. Doing a great job show there. You and Roger, y'all are the best. So we wish you the best and uh good to talk to you. You Appreciate too. It. You too, Greg. Thank you, man. Yeah, the Gator, the um sorry, the Orange Bowl should be a lot of fun uh for Florida. So they hired Eliah Drinkwitz at Missouri. He where did he go? Let's see. Where did he play? Did he play anywhere? I don't guess he played anywhere. I mean it says Arkansas Tech is his Alma mater, 2004. Maybe he did play there, but um, went to Springdale High School in Arkansas. That's really where he started his coaching career. 06, 07, 08, 09. He was the offensive coordinator at Springdale High School in Arkansas. The same background, the same school as Gus Malzahn, where he became famous. And then he was a quality control guy at Auburn in 2010 and 11. Again, we're talking there are connections all over the place with 
with, with Malzahn. Then he was a running backs coach at Arkansas State 2012. 13, co-offensive coordinator. Then a couple of years at Boise State, coaching on the offensive side of the ball at 14 and 15. Not bad, right? He had the three seasons at NC State as the offensive coordinator and then was the head coach at Appalachian State just this past year. So, I mean, he's a very, like, he's a brand new head coach, but he's got one year experience at App State. But he's got some pedigree there. That's Drinkwitz. I had to read all that and look that up because I don't know too much about him. Now, this Pittman guy was at Arkansas, was a, considered a big time recruiter, goes to the staff at Georgia, considered a big time recruiter. But somebody on this show compared it to Ole Miss hiring Ed Orgeron back in the day in that it's someone who's never really even been a coordinator. And now all of a sudden he's going to be your head coach. And sure, there may be some learning on the job stuff there in that regard. Of the three hires, there's no question that initially the positives go to the Ole Miss hiring Lane Kiffin, especially with the situation they were in and what it does for them and from an excitement and ticket sales standpoint, which we we talked all about that. But none of them can you tell by what you can see now, whether it be background and resume, wins and losses previously as assistants, wins and losses as a head coach. None of those things, I'm telling you, listen to me, none of those things will for sure tell you what's going to happen with those coaches at those schools long-term. There, it It is not an indicator. So I just say that. I'm not trying to throw water on all of our fun. I'm just saying that let's keep it in perspective. Now, you mentioned the whole Kiffin and Dan Mullen thing. I think, Greg, in reality, Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer aren't just buddy-buddy. That's what I have taken away over the years of conversations I've overheard Little nuggets here and there. There's plenty of respect. I don't think there's any kind of contentious relationship between Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen. But after they coached together and when they coached together, I don't think they were necessarily the most fond of each other. Two-way street. After the Alabama-Mississippi State game in 2015, 14, 2014, when was Kiffin there at Alabama? And it was in Tuscaloosa. And I remember as we were doing the post-game radio show from the booth, fans had left, teams had just pretty much all gotten into their locker rooms, and I looked, and there's a conversation going on on the sideline down there between Dan Mullen and Lane Kiffin. And to me, they just looked like two coaches who kind of knew each other and talking up football and who knows what they were talking about, but they were just kind of down there by themselves talking. So, Greg, I would tell you this. If tomorrow or if next year when they're getting ready to play each other, if there's anything contentious that's said, it's like jabbing one or the other to kind of tweak Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss or tweak Dan Mullen at Florida, I will look at it and immediately – Chalk it up to the same thing that wrestlers do before a wrestling match. They play it up for the camera so that it gets more eyeballs on it. When in, And as soon as the wrestling match is over, they're both going out to have pizza together. We're actually probably buds. That's right, brother. That's what I think. Okay. Bulldog Blitz reminded us that 
Give Me Something to Believe In is a poison song. Thank you. Ghost Texter says, Why wasn't that celebration when DK did it not too much for the administration two years ago? Luke got hired then. Went and fixes everything. <laughs> Let me just, this is a great text. Okay. Let me, again, we try to deal in reality on this show. Here is the reality. When DK Metcalf did that in that game in 2017, if Ole Miss had lost that game, they would not have hired Matt Luke as the interim. You know, as the interim, they would have not hired him as the permanent head coach going forward. Period. Put that period at the end of that sentence. It is a fact. If what DK did in that game in 2017 had contributed to a loss, then there would have been the same reaction to that one than there was this one. But in reality, they won the game. And it didn't contribute to a loss, right? So the fan base did not have as big of a guttural reaction to what he did. And they won that game in 2017. Therefore, they did hire Matt Luke permanently. That is a fact. There is terrible irony in there for anybody looking at it, but for Matt Luke, in that the same exact act on the same exact field happened three years apart, three games apart. And the game they won in the Egg Bowl got him hired. And the game they lost in the Egg Bowl got him fired. Had Ole Miss won that game, had they hit that extra point and tied the game and gone to overtime and won it, then about 80% of the people who were Ole Miss fans who said they were disgusted by that would not have said they were disgusted by that. Matt Luke probably would still be the coach at Ole Miss right now. Those are all facts that I've just said, and anybody who tells you otherwise is a liar. And all those facts point to the importance of the outcome of the Egg Bowl to everybody, including the decision makers at both schools. Dispute it, argue it, fine. Just do it away from me because I'm not listening. My mind is made up. All right, great show. Thanks for all the texts and calls and everything else in the Farm Bureau studio. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. See ya. Listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. 